Welcome to this episode of Kendall County Connections Podcast. I'm your host, Aubrey Walker. I work with the San Antonio Council on Alcohol and Drug Awareness, or CICADA. I'm the Coalition Coordinator for Kendall County. The purpose of this podcast is to educate, promote awareness of resources for Kendall County, and to connect people. I have lived in Kendall County most of my life, and I have a passion for this county. I hope you find this podcast helpful, and thank you for listening. Today, we're going to talk to Dr. Michelle Holcomb. She is PhD, LPCS, certified ARISE interventionist. She's an uh, assistant uh, professor at Our Lady of the Lake University. She also has a clinic that's called Hill Country Intervention and Counseling, and that is in Bernie, Texas. I'm very excited to have her on the show today. Thank you for joining us. How are you doing today? Oh, it's such a pleasure to be here. I'm doing really well. The weather is really, really great. It's cooling off and absolutely am loving the weather, being able to wear warm clothes. Yes, exactly. I agree with you on that one. Um, So what is, we're just going to jump right into these questions. What is your most enjoyable job so far and how old were you or are you? And if this is the most recent, you definitely don't have to reveal your age. (laughs) No problem. So my, my career has evolved quite a bit. Um, and that's one of the things that I think has just been really interesting starting from the very beginning. But I, when I was pretty young, I decided I needed to be an advocate for kids and, you know, trying to figure out how to be an advocate for kids. I kind of went into the counseling field. So I have been doing counseling for 20 years, um, in all sorts of settings in school settings in community agencies in juvenile detention, um, in private practice and, and been teaching for about 15 years. And so I think, you know, it's really hard to pick one job that I really, really enjoyed. But one of the things that I've done and specialized in pretty recently was um, about nine, 10 years ago, I had a specific interest in working with athletes. Hmm. So I am contracted with, um, the University of Texas at San Antonio, and I actually work with their athletic program there in counseling, stu- you know, student athletes. I do work with athletes um, in my private practice as well, and I really enjoy working with them on performance, on any sort of anxieties, depression, pressure, balancing their lives, you know, academics. But I also see general clients as well. The population that I work with primarily our adolescent and young adult population. And I think if I were to pick, you know, two jobs that I love um, more than anything is I love to teach and, you know, mentor people going into the counseling field, but I also like to do the counseling. I like to be boots on the ground, doing the work um, in the rooms with, with individual clients and families. That's wonderful. Yeah. I love it. Um, the um, roles that you like, um, the two most enjoyable jobs so far. I like that. <laughs> Thank you. <laughs> yes. Um, and you know, that's something that I think you know, personally, I don't want to speak for, you know, everybody, but it's not really something that, you know, I've thought about, you know, as far as counseling students, athletes, you know, in high school, middle school and in college, you know, that's not really something that you know, comes to mind when it comes to counseling, but I can imagine it's very beneficial getting the help that they need being able to perform. Absolutely. And we had, you know, of course we can 
we had Simone Biles, you know, come yes. out about mental health awareness and how difficult it is for students in, well, students and people in elite programs to really be able to balance the anxiety and the pressure that they have both internally and externally. And I think oftentimes parents think, oh, well, if my children are in sport, then we're protecting them from mental health issues. And that's not necessarily true. We need to teach our kids how to have skills in order to manage the athletic pressures and life pressures. Absolutely. I mean, it's, it's great for them to be in it, but yeah, I mean, sometimes that can add to the stressors in life and absolutely, you know, we talk about, you know, in the substance use prevention field, we talk about how, you know, substance use, you know, touches anybody and everybody. It doesn't, you know, it's, it doesn't say, you know, we don't, you know, forgot the words I'm saying, but anyway, you know, it touch it can touch anybody. And it's the same thing with mental illness because substance use disorder is a mental illness. Absolutely. And that's something that, you know, I work with as well. You know, mm-hmm. as you well know, I became an interventionist about six years ago mm-hmm. and I've done interventions all over the world mm-hmm. and specifically related to substance abuse and eating disorders. But one of the things that I found is that it's not something that's not in families. I mean, in, right. in the counseling world, there's some sort of substance abuse issue in all families. Mm-hmm. If you look at the, the family tree and you mm-hmm. look at the big picture, that there's some sort of cycle that mm-hmm. happens in families. Absolutely. Wow. So moving forward, what is your role in Kendall County and what are you passionate about right now? Oh, wow. I'm passionate about a lot of things. Um, I believe my role in Kendall County is advocacy. And I do that through the work and in my counseling. And um, I, you know, I am passionate about kids being healthy. And I'm passionate about kids being given the tools to navigate the world that we live in. Um, I'm passionate about people being treated, um, fairly and equally when it comes to mental illness or disabilities or any, anything that's that sort of thing. Um, and I feel like, you know, I just really feel like one of my gifts or one of the things that I I've had pressed upon me from a very young age is advocacy for people that can't advocate for themselves. Yes, that gives me chills. Um, so I have a, I, I mean, I assume kind of quick question. Um, when you're talking about, you know, giving, you know, adolescents, youth, um, the skills to navigate the world, I can imagine has COVID made it kind of difficult for them, for adolescents in general? It is, it has made it very, very difficult. And one of the things that I have found and any mental health provider in Kendall County or surrounding areas can attest to this because we talk in consultation about it all the time. When people were um, not working (laughs) during COVID, when jobs kind of started to settle down and people were not, adults were not being able to do their careers, we had a huge uptick. And it hasn't stopped. So there are so many people that I have to refer out every day. 
there's such an incredible need since COVID. And one of the things that I think has been impacted, obviously we've all been impacted. Everyone in the world has been impacted by COVID one way or another. Some people manage it depending on their resources very differently than others. But at the end of the day, Mm -hmm. um, we've all experienced the same impact. And with, with children and adolescents, I think adults were so confused initially about how to manage it for themselves that children and adolescents were just kind of there, you know, they were just there. And I don't know, you know, one of the things that I've found in the community is we didn't really check in with children and adolescents the way maybe we needed to. And so we're seeing such an increase in anxiety. We're seeing such an increase in depression among adolescents, you know, um, 13 to 24 years of age. We are seeing a huge increase in eating disorders Mm -hmm. among females. And um, there are many different places that I've tried to refer for inpatient treatment for eating disorders. And they have a six-week waiting list, which has never happened in 20 years. There's never been a waiting list for residential support. So you can see where young people are struggling. I do see an improvement now. Um, I feel like people are getting help, you know, and people are more aware of, you know, the resources out there. But I do, I do think we are going to have an increase for the next couple of years on mental health needs. I agree. And, you know, it's good that it's coming down a little bit, but yeah, I think, you know, it'll be interesting to see over the next couple of years, what happens um, with mental health. And yeah, and they have found there's definitely a correlation between people who have experienced, you know, a positive COVID and Mm -hmm. depression. There's, there's, there's no denying the link and COVID-19 itself, just having it itself, the biological phenomenon that happens with COVID-19 does increase your chances of depression. So for people that have had it, you know, that makes it really hard too. And then having to be isolated. I mean, children and adolescents being isolated for back in the day, 14 days. Now it's 10, I think. Uh, Hard, really difficult. You know, I've heard stories of like family members where a child, you know, is, has, gets COVID-19 and and they're having to try and explain to their child that they have to be basically locked in their room and they can use this one bathroom and we're going to bring you your food and they, and they have to stay in there for, you know, however long, whether it was the 14 days or now down to 10 and, and for a child to understand that, especially depending on the age and where they are developmentally, you know, it's tough for them to understand. And I can imagine the isolation of, you know, it's not even like you're stuck in your home, you're stuck in your room. Yes. And you don't get any of that human interaction unless it's being able to see, you know, whatever family members bringing you food and it's for two seconds where they say, here's your food and I'm going out the door. And yeah, I can only imagine how terrifying and traumatic that is for kids. Yeah. You know, one of the, I don't know about you, but one of the um, most fondest memories of me being a child is when I was sick at home. Mm-hmm. I would lay on the couch. My mom would bring me chicken noodle soup. She would give mm-hmm. me a hug and take care of me. And I feel yes. like kids that have COVID don't get, their parents don't get to touch them. And, mm-hmm. you know, I know it's temporary. And mm-hmm. I do think children, I think human beings are super resilient. 
and we can, we are going to get through this and we're going to be fine. But I do think that, you know, in those moments, children really have missed out adolescents, young adults missed out on, um, and really adults missed out on that comfort, that hug, that, you know, warm washcloth or cold washcloth, whatever that is on your head, like those things. There's something I wanted to kind of talk about just a little bit more because it's something that I had not heard of. And I, I, I don't know if people know this, but um, like you were saying, people who have COVID, you know, are more, um, I can't remember exactly the words that you were saying, but more apt to get depression. Mm -hmm. And I want to just kind of focus on that for any of the listeners um, who have had COVID or know a family member that have COVID or has had COVID um, and, and might be feeling, you know, depressed. um, I just want to say, get, it's okay to get help. You know, we're, we're all about reducing stigma and increasing awareness with this podcast. That is all we're trying to do. And just, I want to reach out and say, if that is something that you struggle with, that is okay. It's okay to reach out for professional help. And so I just, I, I like to give my little spiel of that. Um, no, I love it so much. Yes. It's so important because um, we're all about reducing stigma. So. Yes, absolutely. And, you know, I think oftentimes, you know, at least in society and we're getting better, but we have some ways to go that there is this stigma that the mind and body are disconnected. And it's just so ironic that all of our emotional wellness, our mental health, our physical health, it's very intricately, intricately connected and they're not separate. And so if you do have COVID, one of this, you know, one of the, the symptoms of that is having some depression. That's by no means, you know, something that people chose or something that they didn't manage well. Depression in general is just a biological phenomenon and it's a curable disease. Depression can be, you know, it, you can actually fix depression with the right sort of support in the mental health arena. You can actually get help and not be depressed. Right. So I think we kind of talked about this a little bit, but why are you passionate about this? Gosh, I don't know. <laughs> I, uh, it's kind of funny. I start thinking back. So I'll tell you a story about when I was a kid and this will give you an idea of why I felt called to do this work. So I was, um, back in the eighties, I was sent in but sent into a grocery store by my mom to go grab some milk because my brother was young. She needed to stay in the car with him. And I went to go grab a gallon of milk. It was more like a convenience store, like a small grocery store. And so I walked in and I had the gallon of milk and I had money in my hand and standing in line. And all these adults passed me by. They just walked by me, walked by me, walked by me. And they cut in front of me in line. And I started, I was extremely quiet and extremely shy as a kid. So I wasn't going to stand up for myself. I mean, there was no way. So I just stood there and kind of got really tearful and a little bit afraid because I had to go in and buy the milk. Right. I mean, that was my job. And so one lady came by and said, Hey, everyone, this young lady has money in her hand and milk to buy. So we need to go ahead and let her come through. And I remember the feeling of being saved in that moment. Mm -hmm. And I thought, you know what, this, it was such a life-changing moment for me that a total stranger would go about to notice me standing there. 
that I wanted to somehow provide that for other people in the world. And I really feel like that was my calling at a very young age. I didn't know it was going to be counseling. I had no idea, but I knew that I had a calling for advocacy. And it's just, you know, and so it's really interesting that one person's kind gesture can shift a child's life. And I wanted to be in a position to kind of plant seeds for people in the world to maybe say something or be in interaction or relationship with people to where it could maybe shift and give them hope. I love that story. It's, it gives me chills. That's such a wonderful story. Um, So when did you get involved and why is it important to the, uh, for the community? So again, I, I started, you know, the counseling work. I got my master's degree in, let me think, 1999. So I was in graduate school in the mid nineties. And again, I was, you know, plugging away at school, which is really, really difficult. And then I came out of school as a grad, uh, you know, in my master's program and worked for five years before I went back to get my PhD. And I felt that, um, I just, I really feel like, like it's always been a calling for me both Mm -hmm. to teach and to counsel. Um, and you know, I'm super passionate about it because I feel like connection is the cure. Love and connection is the cure to most people's difficulties. And I also believe, and this is something that I encourage my clients, stop focusing so much on yourself go and connect, go and give to others. Whenever you start feeling down about you, go do something kind for someone else. And it sure will give you a different perspective about your day. So I feel like giving connection and just being able to love are three things that, um, that I'm super passionate about and, and definitely feel in my community. Yes, you know, Kendall County, Bernie, you know, it's a very um, unique community. Um, I, I feel like every, you can meet somebody for the first time and your friends, like just because, you know, you're from here, you live here, you work here, whatever the case may be. I, I, so I, um, I grew up in Kendall County and grew up in Comfort. So I've, yeah. lived, I've lived here my whole life. So, um, basically my whole life. And, um, so that's something that I just, you know, I've, I've have a heart for the community and that's something that it's so hard to explain, but it's like when people come and visit, um, whether it's for like a work event or whether it's for just like having, you know, coming to see the area, you know, being a tourist, whatever the case may be, they realize just like how it's like, it feels like home, you know, people, People know, don't know you maybe, but they are going to treat you like a friend, like a family member. And, you know, we are very connected in this community. I, I, I agree. And when there is a need, mm-hmm. it's filled. Those needs are filled. I mean, there is no question that people <clears throat> are all about, you know, being able to support a need, mm-hmm. but also to grow together you know, grow your kids up together and grow your families and be able to walk alongside. And just some of the, you know, we live on the outskirts of a huge city, one of the largest cities in the nation. And we have this little 
Comfort as well as Bandera, as well as, you know, as Bernie, there's all these little pockets, Fredericksburg, Mm -hmm. of small communities. And they've done a really good job of keeping that, that care Mm -hmm. and that small town connection, which I really, really love. And I love serving the, you know, the community out here for that reason, anything, Mm -hmm. you know, if I ever needed support as far as maybe for a client or for a client family, there would be no question. I could raise funds within three hours, four hours for any sort of need. Easily. Absolutely. Yes. Um, So uh, next question. Um, How have, we talked about this a little bit. Um, How has COVID impacted your work? And this can be positive and or negative. Yeah. You know, I guess I'll start with the negatives. Because I like to end on the positives. Yes. <laughs> but I think the negative side of COVID is when it hits, people were in such shock and we were all isolated. And, and I know that there's this great platform for online counseling, but it does not replace face-to-face counseling, in my opinion. Now, I know that there's people that do it really, really well. But for me personally, I like to have face-to-face interactions. And I couldn't do that for at least six months with my clients, if not longer. And when you're working with kids, they really need that energy in the room. So I felt like the negative side of experiencing COVID for me um, was just to feel a little bit disconnected, you know, in proximity. So that was the negative side for me. I think the positive side for me was that the world experienced the same thing at the same time in different ways, but everyone experienced this. And I feel like we have a mark in history where we can all someday go, Oh, <laughs> Hey grandma, what was COVID like? And you can be like, oh, you'll, you won't even believe it. I just feel like we have those stories to tell. And as much as the country feels divided right now, I feel like, we are united in that experience and everyone has struggled and everyone has had to examine their priorities mm-hmm. and figure out what's most important in their lives. And there I have several friends, you know, parents of children that I work with and mm-hmm. they're not doing their jobs like they used to. Mm-hmm. Companies are not requiring in person like they used to. And so just being able to connect and be around your family, be forced (laughs) to be in rooms for an ungiven amount of time with your family has been, I feel like a blessing for our society. But then at the same time, um, we've had this mental health kick increase, but then there's this awareness that comes from that, that COVID has normalized mental health struggles. And so people can be like, oh yeah, I had to get help because of COVID, you know? Like, I feel like that's just kind of the normalizing thing that's happened, which is positive. Yes. I, you know, I, it'll be interesting to see if that can help reduce the stigma because like you're, we, this is worldwide, you know, we have all been, you know, dealt with, we've all dealt with COVID-19 for the last year and a half. And, you know, soon enough, it'll be two years. Yes. And, you know, it's, you know, at this point, you know, we all get it you know, we get the struggle and, you know, that's why I always, you know, I will tell anybody who will listen, 
if you're struggling with your mental health, it's okay to get help. Absolutely. And there are so many ways to do that. And as much as maybe online for me as a provider doesn't fit me, there are so many online therapists that are amazing. And so if you can't go in person, if you are experiencing COVID and you can't go in person, there's so many places that you can go online. I know as far as like recovery meetings, you can Mm -hmm. go online all day, any time of day. And there's a, there's a meeting happening. There are in-person meetings also for recovery and many different ways you can do that. So as far as getting help is concerned, it's so much more accessible. And as it's hard to kind of take that first step, once you do it, Mm -hmm. you feel so good walking out the door. Absolutely. So we're going to change it up a little bit. So this episode, you know, being December, we're in the holidays, we're kind of in the middle of the holidays. Um, so what are some tips and tricks and things to look for? Just some good information for us to look at with, um, so, you know, mental health um, with that, you know, talking about substance use, talking about eating disorders. What are some good, good information that we can learn from you? Absolutely. Holidays are one of the hardest times for people when it comes to maintaining, you know, a normal level of mental health. And there's lots of reasons for that. Maybe there's grief and loss and you miss your loved one. Maybe it is um, family conflict and you miss your loved ones. It's just not the same. And I think that having an awareness and understanding that the rest of the world is not in a Hallmark movie either. That every family has their own struggles and the holidays are not necessarily the way that they're depicted on TV. That's kind of ideal, but most families deal with some sort of struggle. So first of all, normalizing it is one of the things that I think is important. I think the second thing that's important is being prepared. So, you know, you know, around October, November that you're struggling, that this is kind of a seasonal thing then maybe you add a session, you know, maybe you, a session of counseling, maybe you go to more meetings if you're in recovery, but being able to be prepared to maintain your mental health. It's, it's funny because nutritionists and personal trainers are always ready to get people to maintain, do not overeat over the holidays. You just lost 10 pounds. We don't need to gain it in two days. So, you know, they are preparing their clients. And I think it's really important as mental health providers that we prepare our clients as well. Making connection with the people that you can connect with and being able to do that on your own terms. If you're not comfortable going and being a part of a family event for 12 hours, go for two. Mm -hmm. Be able to create boundaries with loved ones. Be able to be mindful in the moment about what's happening and what you're doing and be able to take visual snapshots of these experiences that you're having in, you know, your interactions during the holidays, because those are memory, those visual snapshots become memories that you can kind of pick out down the road connection and then giving, mm-hmm. you don't have to give a lot. You can give your time. There are people, there are homeless people that need to be fed during the holidays. There are lots of things that you can do to take your mind off of, you know, your own struggles 
and be able to really be in a place where you can support other people. And I think those things can really help you. But having self-awareness, I think, is the most important thing. Self-awareness, connection, and giving. Wow. That's amazing. Lots of good points. It makes me, you know, think like forward, like, so how, what, what am I going to do for, you know, my self-care for my, you know, connection and all that this, you know, this year for the holidays. So yeah. I'm already starting to think. <laughs> well, to make it's just to be able to do traditions. You know, I've had so many people lose loved ones and maybe grandma or grandpa, they're the matriarch, patriarch of the family, and then they don't have them. It's okay to do the traditions. It's okay to talk about your family members that you've lost. It's okay to cry together, mm-hmm. but then make the cookies, bake the cake, mm-hmm. make the pie, sit around and take grandma's recipe or grandpa's recipe or mom's recipe and create a new tradition. That's amazing. So thinking of all the resources um, and events and, and things like that, that we have in our community, because we do have a lot. <laughs> yes. Um, what is something that you see is missing? What can we do to improve? You know, I think we are definitely short mental health providers. And I, and the mental health providers on every level, We need more social services, social workers out here doing that work. We need more LPCs. We need more licensed counselors, psychologists, licensed clinical social workers, and we need more psychiatric support. We don't have enough psychiatrists in Kendall County. And the psychiatrists that are out here are completely overwhelmed. And so those are the things, you know, bringing, you know, more professionals out into the community would be one thing. Mm -hmm. Um, I do think that, you know, we live in a county where church is a big thing and churches provide so much support as far as free counseling is concerned. I can Mm -hmm. think of five churches right now that provide it, that have licensed therapists that are doing counseling in churches and provide social services and take care of those needs. But I do think, you know, we do need more mental health providers out here to serve communities, a community agency, really large community agency with all those players in play that I mentioned would be ideal and a dream. Yeah, that would be wonderful. Cause I know like for my, for me, I, you know, I don't want to go into San Antonio, you know, yes. it, it, I, I, yeah, you know, every, everybody wants to stay like at home, you know, or not like at home, but, you know, yeah. in the home community, you know, where yeah. we're from and, and get the services that we need there. That would, that's ideal. Well, and that's one of the things when I've had to refer out Aubrey, I, they have been like, I'm not driving to San Antonio. So I'm like, well, you're going to be limited then. And that's fine. I will try to help you find a referral, but everyone's really, really, you know, they're really, really booked. And there is a waiting list to get in right now with everyone that I know. Um, And so I do think that that is, you know, driving to San Antonio and being consistent on doing counseling is very hard for a lot of families. I agree. So this next question is, 
a newer question and it's a very, I like this question and we kind of talked about this a little bit, but what is your favorite part of living and working in Kendall County? Oh, wow. So, <laughs> so I have two children. Mm-hmm. Um, I have an eight-year-old and a 14-year-old. We just started high school and we're in third grade with my son mm-hmm. in third grade. So we are super busy. Uh, I love all the parades in Oh, and the fair and all yes. those small town, like the homecoming parades. And mm-hmm. it's just so fun to be a part of it. The other thing that I absolutely love about being a part of this community is Dickens on Main. Oh my gosh. Uh, yes. It's so, so awesome. I love just, you feel like you've just jumped into a storybook and it's mm-hmm. just really, really um, something that just fills my heart. And you know, that, that's one of the things, but I love my, I love that my children and my family mm-hmm. are, you know, going to schools that I feel like are excellent. Yes. Um, and I do think that a lot of the schools, all the schools in Kendall County provided an, a great education, but I, I, I just love all of that. I love, um, I love that my kids are known mm-hmm. by adults they know who they are and I know who other people's kids are. And that's a good thing. Yeah. I, yeah, I love, you know, it's a, it's a small town feel, you know, everybody knows everybody and everybody, you know, is, you know, nice to people. We get along, we are friendly, you know, I love that about Kendall County. Yeah. You know, they say it takes a village, right. And I feel like in these small towns in Kendall County, that we are village minded, that we're going to take care of each other. We're going to take care of our own and we're going to let each other know when our kids are acting up, you know, <laughs> which I really want to, you know, if yeah. anything goes awry, I want to know if my kid is not being, you know, doing the things we expect. So I love that as well. Yeah. It, it's funny. Uh, Cause I, you know, I grew up in comfort and it was like, anytime that like I got in trouble for something, my mom would know before I got home and I was just like, how did you know? And it's like, I mean, that's just, that's what, that's how it is. That's how it is. No, you're exactly right. As a parent, it's really nice. As a kid, it's not so fun, but, um, but, but, but kids need that. And I've always grown up in small towns, you know, my whole childhood we moved around, but I was always in a small town, maybe outskirts of a big city, but always in a small community. And I just, that's what I love about this, you know, the communities in Kendall County. Yes. So is there anything that I missed that you would like to discuss? Um, I, is there any upcoming events that you would like to discuss? I know that this would be a great time to add an additional plug for your clinic. Um, As far as, you know, upcoming events or things that maybe I would recommend or suggest to people that are listening is, you know, being able to give people grace and being able to just show love, even when it's not being given. Um, as far as the community events, I would encourage everyone of every age to go out and just participate in what's happening in Kendall County from the very young to the elderly. I would love to see elderly and young people connecting because I feel Mm -hmm. like those stories are so important for young people to hear. And we're not getting that as much anymore Mm -hmm. as we used to back in the day. So just encouraging people to 
be a part of their communities and <laughs> volunteer and really be connected. And, you know, it does help your mental health, incredibly help your mental health. Um, like we mentioned, I do have a private practice, you know, in Kendall, in Kendall County, I, it's in Bernie, Texas, and I do primarily see adolescents and young adults. I um, work specifically with athletes and also just general mental health issues. I love and enjoy, you know, working with families. I do feel like a family component for all individual counseling is critical yeah. as far as the treatment. So I do, I do that work as well, but um, yeah, I am located in Bernie, Texas. If anybody wants to look me up. Awesome. So how can somebody connect with you um, that is listening to this podcast episode? Absolutely. They can, um, they can call my, my, my office number okay. and they're welcome to, you know, give me a call and leave a message. I'm pretty decent about returning pretty quickly, but my days are full. So I, it may be the next day for emergent care. Obviously they need to go, you know, if there's an emergent mental health issue, it's the emergency room typically, but, um, they can give me a call at 210-920-4558. All right. Thank you so much, Dr. Holcomb for meeting with me and giving us great information. Um, I feel like we could probably go on and on and on with all of this stuff (laughs) with all (laughs) talking about mental health. Um, but this is great. And I would love to have you come back again and talk about whatever you want to talk about, because this was so exciting to hear, to learn. Um, like I said, we are all about um, reducing stigma and increasing awareness. That's what we do with this podcast. All right, everybody, we're going to do things a little bit differently from here on out. Before we close out this episode, I wanted to give the opportunity to the listeners to email questions you might have from this episode. Um, Also, if you have another topic you would like to learn about from the person we interviewed this month, or if you have a suggestion for a future episode, please reach out through email. You can email me at coalition at cicada.org. That's C-O-A-L-I-T-I-O-N at S-A-C-A-D-A dot O-R-G. Thank you for tuning in to this month's episode of Kendall County Connections podcast. If you are interested in joining the coalition or being on an episode of the podcast, you can call 210-225-4741. That's 210-225-4741. Or email coalition at cicada.org. That's C-O-A-L-I-T-I-O-N at S-A-C-A-D-A dot O-R-G. Or check us out on Facebook, search for Kendall County Community Coalition or facebook.com slash Kendall County Community Coalition. Thank you. We'll see you next time and stay safe.